Our verse for this week is Romans 5.8. So let's go ahead and let's practice this a few times before we get into the sermon. Let's, let's think about these words uh, a couple times. We'll say it together and then we'll, we'll take away some of those words and say it again. We'll take away a few more and, and we'll say it a third time. Let's, let's practice this together though, shall we? Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates His own love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Alright, so let's take... I'm going easy, I'm not taking away demonstrates just yet. Let's say this again, shall we? Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates His own love for us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Alright, let's say this one more time. I wrote it for, and I've been saying it toward, right? I think I've got it, I might have gotten it wrong on these slides. Let me look real quick, because I've got it in the Bible still. Yeah, wow, sorry for that. This entire sermon series is wrong up there. That's okay. Not for, toward. Okay, let's try this again, right? Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, good job. You know, I think I caught that at some point, but I guess I didn't go back and catch it that I had written it that way in the sermon. Well, last week we determined and we saw that the first step on the Romans road, is it right on that? It's right in the handout. So I did it. That's where I corrected it. I corrected it on the handout. That's what I did. All right, so... Uh, last week we saw that the first step on the Romans road is in Romans 3.23 that we are sinners. For all have sinned. We have sinned in the past and, have, and we fall short today. We have sinned. We fall short. All are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. And, and as we saw in, in the context of Romans 3.23 that that there is no distinction between people. There are no, there's nobody walking around who this doesn't apply to. All means all. And so that's, that's what we have been doing is we have been sinning. We have been sinners. We have gone our own way as we saw back uh, in Isaiah 53.6. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. We've been going our own way while we've been going our own way, what has God been doing? And that's, that's going to be the focus for us today is this idea of while. While we have been sinning, what has God been doing? And in fact, this verse, that's what it says. That um, God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. So while we were sinners, while we were yet sinners, what has God been doing? And we see here what it says. That while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. What it, what it is saying here is that God uh, sees our condition, knows our condition, and while we are yet in that condition, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That God, seeing our situation knew we couldn't do anything about it. And, and remember last week we talked about that all have sinned, and have sinned was past tense, but fall is present. 
And it's the idea that the past actions have a present effect. That because we have sinned, even if you started becoming perfect today, you would never do enough perfect things to overcome the fact that you sinned. Because just one sin, just one sin, pollutes. It's just like getting just one drop of... I mean, if, if you were to give me a nice big glass of clean water and then just put one drop of motor oil in it, would I want to drink that? Or would it not have a tendency to pollute everything? You know, if you go to, to beat some egg whites, you can't have just a little bit of egg yolk. It won't work right. One little bit. As the Bible talks oftentimes, uh, one little bit of leaven, one little bit of yeast causes the whole dough to leaven. One little sin in our life causes us to not be perfect. And it doesn't matter how much perfect you are after that, it still keeps you from God's glory. And because of that situation, what does God do? Does God sit around saying, well, they better get their act together. They better shape up. No. God sees our condition and God knows that we can't do anything. And not only that, but God does not wait for us to get better. God isn't, and this is something you know, a lot of times I think we want to say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll fix this and then I'll go to God. I'll, I'll, I'll fix it. It's kind of like me, if I was to, to need to go to the doctor, and I said, well, before I go see the doctor, I need to lose five pounds. You know, maybe I need to go see the doctor to help me lose that five pounds first. But oftentimes we have that attitude with God. That, well, let me take care of this first. Let me fix this myself first. Kind of like a little kid, you know, me do. Me do. We're, we're, we're constantly crying out to God, me do. And he's sitting there saying, you can't do it. God does not wait. Not only does God know we can't do it, though, the blessing is, is God does not wait for us to get better. He isn't sitting there saying, I, I can't wait till they come back. When they come back, when they apologize, when they do this, this, and this, then I'll see about saving them. No. God does not wait for us to get better. While we were yet sinners, He does this. In fact, uh, verse 6 tells us, For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That we are helpless without Him. When we are in our sins, we are helpless and unable to save ourselves, to become righteous. And it was while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And, and, and so, God does not wait for us to get better, and, and God firmly understands who and what we are. You know, the, the, the word in, in Romans 5.8 for sinners, we, we saw that, that, that while we were yet sinners, and, and to be a sinner is a, or to sin, as we saw, for all have sinned, to sin is to miss the mark. And to be a sinner is to be a person who has missed the mark, who has forfeited the award and has missed the mark and has lost. Those who have uh, acted sinfully in a depraved way is how this word is often translated. And a person who is a sinner is also ungodly. And, and just think about that, that God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, who we believe is God in the flesh, 
who is proclaimed to us as God in the flesh. So uh, allow me just for this moment to say God in the place of Jesus. God died for the ungodly. Jesus died for ungodly people. That, that they are the exact opposite of who He is. He being God died for those who are not God. Who are not only not God, but are completely other than God. They are ungodly. When you, when you put that un there, it, it negates everything that comes after. So He didn't die for people who are mostly godly. He didn't die for people who are even desiring to be godly. He died for people who are anti-God. He died for those who have no desire to do God's things. They are ungodly. They are not acting in God's ways. They do not have the capacity to act in God's ways. They do not have the desire. They are helpless. And yet at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That is all of us prior to Christ. That is everybody in the world today who does not profess and follow Jesus Christ. They're against God. They're ungodly. And this is who Jesus has died for. Jesus died for ungodly people. And and this is such a crazy thing. And and he says in verse 7, Paul says in verse 7, for one will hardly die for a righteous man. Jesus didn't die for the righteous. A person would hardly even think to die for the righteous, but Jesus doesn't. And, and Paul gives a, you know, a, 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 he allows for the possibility that maybe, uh, perhaps for a good man, someone would dare even to die. If they were a good person, you might die to save them. But what does Jesus do? He dies for people who are ungodly. He does not die for the righteous. He does not die for the good. He dies for the ones that you would say to yourself, why waste my life? I have a lot to live for. I have a future ahead of me. Why give that up for scum like this? That's what that you know. We might think, oh, if, you know, if I was, if it was a, if it was a bunch of kids and they were in a car and it was in the water, you know, I might die trying to save them. But would you die trying to save a strung out addict? who've been living on the street for the last three years? Or are you sitting there thinking maybe maybe they can just go ahead? I don't know that my life is worth that. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll die for the, the innocent in our mind. The ones that, if anybody doesn't need to be saved, it's innocent people. But will we die for the ungodly? Will we die for those that we seem to think are, are less than us? We wouldn't even really think about dying for a righteous person. But what does it say in verse 8? But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that word yet, that, that's important. While we were still, while we were yet, while we remain as sinners. I think sometimes if, if you were to say, look, uh, you know, you could save these people and you, and you give them a face. You know, it's, it's kind of like if you were to be asked to donate a kidney. You, you've got two, you can live with just one, but you could give a kidney to somebody and they would live. 
Now, who are you willing to give that kidney to? I remember hearing on the radio, I think the, the man who was doing it was dead now, but on a, a talk, uh, a, a rock station, but the, you know, talking heads in the afternoon, talking about his cousin wanted him to donate a kidney. And he said, well, you drank so hard, you blew out both your kidneys. Why should I give you one of mine? I might need it later in life. You know? You, you've lived this way. You deserve it. That's, that's on you that you don't have both kidneys functioning anymore. You know, and, and on the one hand, it sounds cruel. On the other hand, we might think in our own minds if somebody were to put us to that, well, if I give you one of mine, what am I going to do if my other one goes out? You know? But if it was for a good cause... Oh, if it was for a good cause, that's different, right? If it was for somebody who, who's done good things and we have hope that they'll continue to do good things, isn't that worth it? But here's the thing. When, when Jesus died on the cross, now, grant you, uh, God has declared and decided that, that he would have his children. You know? So I recognize that. But at the time, when Jesus was actually getting nailed to the cross, when he was being uh, stood up there and when he was suffering and when he was dying, the people who were closest to him had deserted him. They had run away. There was one disciple at the foot of the cross that we know of, and that was John. And he was there with Jesus' mother and the women there, but all the rest had run. And, and you know, quite frankly, until, until you have died and then risen again, you don't know if this thing really works. You don't know. I love the, the picture in, in um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe when Aslan uh, sacrifices himself and he's a Christ figure. And in the morning, he, he is alive again. The, the stone table breaks and he is alive and the girls ask him and they say, you know, oh, well, then you knew it was going to be work. And he said, well, I knew what the deeper magic said, but it had never been tested before. You know, he had hope. He had faith. But it hadn't been tested before. You know, when Jesus died, in a, in a human sense, I think looking back on it, it's hard for us to wrap our brains around this. But in all honesty, what Paul is saying here is that while we were yet sinners, there was, there was no guarantee. We were still sinners at that time. It wasn't like they, they, that God's lined up a whole bunch of people on the side of the cross and said, Jesus, if you die on the cross today, don't worry, I'll raise you up again in three days. And look at all these people. These are, this is a good cause you're dying for. No, no. It was for miserable, sinful people. They were all around him. And Jesus knew he would rise again in three days. He told his disciples several times. But in a sense, Jesus died with no guarantee of our response. He died not saying, well, it's, it's going to be nothing. It's going to be easy because, you know, in three days I'm going to rise again and all these people are going to be saved. In, in a sense, in a certain way of viewing it, Jesus died with no guarantee of our response. That's what Paul's saying when he says, while we were yet sinners. Okay? Our response was still to come. Our response has not happened yet at that time. But God demonstrates His own love toward us. 
that regardless of how we respond to Him, and this is the key, regardless of how we respond to Him, whether we respond to Him or not, He still acts. So Jesus died on the cross for us. Even without a a, a set guarantee. Now, I believe that God in His wisdom, He says, I'm going to make a people that I'm going to call after my name. A people who are not a people are going to be my people. God has the ability, if He wanted to, to raise up out of the very rocks those who would praise Him. So, obviously, God has a lot of control. God is His own guarantee. Jesus was His own guarantee. I am that I am, is what God said. You, you want to bank on something, just bank on the fact that I'm speaking to you. There is more to trust in the words of God than the physical actions of anybody on earth. You know, talk is cheap, as we say. You know, we can say that we're going to do a lot of things. What we actually do is another thing. Well, God's talk is not cheap. God's talk can be taken to the bank. More than any money that anybody around here can give you. God's talk is greater. So I understand that. So when I'm talking about dying without a guarantee, with no guarantee of our response, I'm not saying that he didn't know that there weren't going to be people that would respond. I'm not saying that God didn't, in his own wisdom and in his own love, call and effectually give us the ability and respond in faith and that we would choose what he is giving us. I'm not saying that. But at the time, it hadn't happened yet. That he had to go through the whole thing. He died. He rose again. He walked around on the earth for 40 days before he went back up to heaven. And only after that did the church begin. But at the time, there was no guarantee of our response. Even today, there are those that hear of God's love for them and they do not respond. They do not listen. They do not care. Now, some would say, well, God didn't die for them. Jesus didn't die for them. Jesus only died for those that are called. I don't think that's what Paul is saying in this part of the passage. I think when God so loved the world, that's the whole world. And when God sent His Son to die on the cross for our sins, while we were yet sinners, that was everybody. And He did it out of love for the whole human race. And yet, if we are left to ourselves, our own devices, our own desires, what are we going to choose? Without God's intervention in our lives, we are going to continue to go astray. Right? For all of us have gone astray, each of us has turned to His own way. We're going to keep going our own way unless God gets in the way. Unless God turns us to Him. And if you are following Jesus Christ you need to know that at some point God started speaking to you. God started working on you. God started talking to you to the point where you couldn't ignore Him any longer. There are those, though, who do ignore. There are those who uh, the thorns and the, the worries of the world crowd out God. There are those who, who they think they're excited about Him, but they don't, they don't get deep into Him. They, they're shallow. And when hard times come, they they fall away. There are some that are just so hard-hearted, the the Word of God never even gets in. 
Jesus wasn't guaranteed that everybody he died for would be saved. His love is so great. God's love for us is so great that he went to the cross, he died, and God sent him to die for sinners, for ungodly people who may never respond to him. Because that is true love. That is real love. Just as God cannot program us, if He were to program us to love Him, it would not be real love. If He were only to show us love because we can reciprocate it, that's not real love. Real agape love, and that's the word that we have here, that God uh, demonstrates His own love toward us. That word love is agape, and it's the idea of of unmerited favor. It's very close to our idea of grace. It's something you can't earn. You know, I might be able to earn your phileo love. I might be able to learn, earn your, your brotherly, your, your, your uh, I enjoy who you are kind of love. If I'm the right type of person and you're the right type of person and we get along together, we might love one another. But this is a love that, that you don't earn. It's a, it's a love not based on how good you are or how special you are or how smart you are or how... Uh, athletic you are or how beautiful you are it's a love if anything it it goes in direct contrast to who you are and it's a love that god as a superior hands out to us as the inferior people and that's how he loves us that's how he he demonstrates his love toward us and that word this is one of those times where the nasb you know i kind of wish they'd chosen a different word because demonstrates, it sounds like he's saying it slices, it dices, but wait, there's more. That's not what we're talking, it's not the kind of demonstration God's doing. The word demonstrate is often translated as commend, and the King James Version does. This is how God commends his love for us. It, it means to stand beside, to stand next to or with, to, to demonstrate, to stand near. It, it has the idea of to prove. To commend means to present as suitable for approval or acceptance. So if I commend you to somebody else, if I, or if, I, if I have a business and I hear you are in need, for instance, if you need air conditioning help, I have a business I will commend to you. I have a, a, a person who I will say, this guy will take care of you. He'll do a good job. I commend them. In the same way, this is how God commends His love. He's, you know, I, I, I would say about a, an AC guy, hey, he's going to do a good job. This is how he's going to work. This is how he's going to take care of you. This is why if you call him, you're not going to be cheated. Because I don't know about you, but that's the big fear, whether it comes to car mechanics, plumbers, AC technicians, carpenters, anything. What's the primary question in your mind? I'm an ignorant person when it comes to these things. Are they going to take advantage of me? Or am I going to hear truth? Am I going to be taken care of? And, and, and am I not going to be robbed? That, that's pretty much what we're asking, isn't it? And, and I'll add dentist in there too. Because I've had some history with dentists. I'm ignorant. I don't know. Boy, I hope this person doesn't cheat me. Well, if you know somebody or I know somebody, we can commend them. Hey, this is a person that's going to do a good job. They're not going to cheat you. Isn't that 
Isn't that great to, when, when somebody can be demonstrated to be good, that other people can say they've done a good job for me and, and you can trust them? Well, this is what Paul is saying, that God's love for us is commended in this way. God has proven His love for us. You can bank on God's love. You can know that God's love is true. You can trust in God's love because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners. How much does God love you? God loves you so much that Jesus died for you whether you accept Him or not. He loves you that much. He died for you. He sacrificed Himself for your sins. He rose again and it gives you the opportunity for eternal life whether you take it or not. Whether you receive it or not. It's still there. He still died for you. He had no guarantee of your response. You weren't good enough for it. You're ungodly. And He died for you. That's how much He loves you. That's how much He loves every single person on the earth today. Even the ones that we would say, bomb them. Wipe them out of existence. They're just a pain. Even the ones we say, oh, I just wish we could just separate the country and let all those people go over there and all the right-thinking people over here and we'd be happy. Get rid of them all. And the beauty of that is, is it works both ways. Everybody's feeling that way these days. No. He loves you so much. He even loves those people you really don't like. So much that He died on the cross for them. That's how He has proven His love. That's how He has commended His love for us. And so we have to ask, isn't this love worthy of a response? It was no guarantee of a response, but isn't this love worthy of a response? That Jesus would die on the cross for you? Isn't that worthy of a response. He has done all the work. In fact, He has said that there is nothing we can do. We were helpless. We were ungodly. No one would die for a righteous man. How much more would they die for the ungodly? They won't. But God and Jesus Christ did. Isn't that kind of love worth a response? Not that our response can earn it but that it deserves a response. I think the response it deserves is a response of, thank you, Lord. I think it deserves a response of, of love in return. To accept Jesus Christ, to believe in Him, and to follow Him. How, how do we love God? By keeping His commandments. Tr believing what He has said and then living it out. That's how we show Him that, oh yes, You've loved us. We've experienced it. And we respond to You. Because we keep Your commandment. We love You and we love one another and we strive to follow Your Holy Spirit's guidance in our lives. There are those that God loves and they don't love Him back. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus talks about Jerusalem. He says, oh, how often I wished I could gather you up like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you 
wouldn't have it. You wouldn't have it. You wouldn't come back to me. What a shame. God has loved you so greatly that at just the right time, Jesus died on the cross for your sins and mine. That while we were yet sinners, before we had done anything, before we had indicated a desire, it wasn't like we were sitting there in the wings saying, Jesus, if you just go to the cross, I'll be yours. Now he says, I'm going to go to the cross whether you'll be mine or not. I will be yours. That's why he is the Savior of the world. But does the world receive him? Is the world saved today? No. Such a love needs a response. I pray that if you have not yet responded to Jesus Christ, you will soon. Maybe even today. Well, before we pray, let's go ahead and say this, this verse one more time. Ignore the four there, it's toward. Let's try this again, shall we? Romans 5.8 But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You have sent Your Son that while we were yet sinners, in fact, even before we were ever born, Christ died for us. And yet we know that before we ever heard about Jesus, before we ever uh, heard about His death on the cross, we had already sinned. We had lived lives of sin. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Lord, this is how You have loved us. All of us have sinned and fall short of Your glory. And yet You did not leave us in that position, but You have given us Your Son that we might have life through Him. We pray, Lord, today that if there is anybody here who has not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who hasn't believed in Him, responded to Your love, Lord, we pray that they would be brought to a place today where they see how great You loved them. And that they would recognize their need to respond to Your love. And Lord, what a, what a wonderful thing it is that we don't earn it. We don't inspire it. We merely receive and respond to Your love when we prof- pro- pro- profess our sins and proclaim our faith in Jesus. Lord, we pray that we would respond to You today as we go through our our lives, as we deal with struggles, as as, uh, we deal with hardships, and our faith may waver at times, our joy in You might waver, Lord, help us to respond to the love You have shown us. To remember how great Your love is that You sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. We ask these things today, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.